0: to another episode of the aquatic mentors it's great to have you on board i'm your host katrina van eyck and today we're going to be talking to the amazing michael D'Souza. souza now michael de souza is a caribbean born man who lives in london and he's a fantastic swim teacher who's using his background to expand and encourage kids to swim in a really fun and exciting way So we talked today with Michael about how he learnt to swim how his journey started and what he brings to the swimming industry and the kids that he teaches. So Michael's had a lot of time teaching celebrities' children to swim. So quite a few celebrities in London and around the UK got him to teach their children to swim and they had a lot of fun. There was a lot of entertainment, a lot of joking and a lot of rhymes brought into his teaching. And we talk about the future of swimming, what he sees for it. And we also talk about his amazing talents as a writer. Now, Michael wrote books about a mouse called Rusty Mouse and his crude easy crew. And his books are fantastic. And they were made into a TV series, which is played here in Australia called Rusty Mouse. He's now developing other books that are related to swimming, as swimming is one of his main passions. And I really can't wait to be able to read them and show them to my students and my children so I hope you really enjoy this episode a lot of fun I learned a lot from it he has a lot of wisdom and knowledge to share with us but I've also left a little secret in the end of the episode for you just for a bit of laughs all right enjoy And we start our podcast with Michael D'Souza and we're asking him where he started his journey in swimming
1: how did I start my swimming?
0: Yes, your journey in swimming.
1: Well, basically, as a self-taught swimmer, I was very, very scared of swimming, petrified actually. And um, I eventually taught myself. That's how I. That's how I got into swimming initially, just teaching myself.
0: Wow, good work! So you just threw yourself in the deep end and off you went. That's great to.
1: Well, I wouldn't say deep end. I wouldn't say the deep end. Actually, I was very, I was, I would say very much the shallow end. <laughs>
0: Good point. Do you find that helps you when you're teaching other kids that are scared?
1: Well, absolutely, totally, and completely, because I would say I understand fear of water very, very, very well. Like I can recognise it from. Five hundred meters, to be honest with you, you know yeah. I've seen it in all forms and all guises. People pretend you know they, sometimes they've got a little ego and they say, "I'm all right, but you know because I know there couldn't have been anyone more frightened than myself in the water. So you know, I more say to myself that I'm more about someone that eradicates fear as opposed to just being a swimming teacher, specializing in eradicating the fear.
0: I really like that. That's a good way of putting it. Eradicating the fear from swimming. What a good idea. Yeah. What's been your biggest lesson that you've learned through swimming?
1: I think what I've learned that it's a great equalizer. It doesn't matter what you look like, sex, age, height, build, it doesn't matter. Once you got the love of the water, anyone could really enjoy it and look wonderful in water.
0: Perfect. I really like that. And I feel the same. And I know on land, I'm not so elegant, but once I'm in the water, I feel as elegant as dolphin and a mermaid. And that's the same for everyone, I think.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That's one thing I definitely do.
0: And what's been your biggest highlight of your swimming journey?
1: There were a couple of things, right? One student, People said that he didn't concentrate and whatnot. Anyway, after teaching him, he entered this annual competition in Spain, held by the King of Spain, and he won a gold medal.
0: Wow.
1: People found it difficult to teach him, but I didn't find it difficult at all. That was the main one, really. And then the biggest thing for me was going to Sri Lanka after the tsunami in 2005, 2006. I was invited over there to teach 69 children to get them into the water. Yes, that was a big highlight.
0: Wow, 69. And That would be very, well, the whole fear factor involved in that would just be amazing to be able to push them through that and get them in.
1: Yeah, completely. And the thing is, some of them hadn't been in the water before. Some of them were going to return to the water. But equally as well, They'd never been in a swimming pool. And fortunately for us, there was a, one of the people that sponsored me. She had a friend, I think his name is Jeffrey Bauer. He's an architect. He owned a property in Sri Lanka. So I asked him if we could use the swimming pool and took the students in there. It's the first time they'd ever been in a swimming pool. And I managed to get 65 of them in that week in the swimming pool, in yeah. the deep end, every one of them. Wow. Yeah. What
0: an achievement.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic.
0: That's great. And that shows a lot to the power of swimming and your teaching skills and what you've been able to do to be able to get people in there and especially not coming from Sri Lanka and having to deal with sort of the cultural background and be able to get them in the water and get them skills. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. It's quite interesting as well because obviously there was a language barrier But what I decided to do was try to have a common language that neither of us knew too great, which was Italian. (laughs) (laughs) So when they, you know, when they did something, I'd say, "fantastico, bravissimo, and they loved it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What a great way of looking at it. I've never thought of something like that. Because, yeah, everyone
1: knows... Because they they don't speak my language. I don't speak their language. Do you know what I mean? Let's go in the middle. You know, it's like that.
0: Yep. Yeah. Oh wow, so smart. So, oh no, one of the kids relate to you so well to be able to just think outside the box like that.
1: Yeah, that's what you got to do with children. You know, you have to, you have to think outside the box. And also, you mustn't be predictable, because I think when you're predictable, it could be a bit boring. You know.
0: Yeah, that's right. And that's the thing I think for teachers, a lot of swimming has to be repetitive, because that's how kids at that age learn. But it's about being repetitive with the skills, but the way you teach it being different.
1: Absolutely. I, I, look, the thing is, right, at the end of the day, when you're swimming, your arm bends and straightens, your legs bend and straighten or kick up and down. They don't do much else, Yeah. Yes. So it's how many different ways you can persuade someone to do that. So, and being, dealing with children, their whole world is about play. You've got a massive scope there. So, you know, it's just a blank canvas, really, that you can just fill up.
0: That's brilliant. Yeah. Wow, that's great thinking. And that is it. They are a blank canvas, and swimming is something that we can fill their lives with and expand in so many ways. It becomes, you know, a lot of people I've spoken to have said that swimming its not just confidence in the water, it's confidence in their whole life as well.
1: Most definitely, I'll, It seemed to me that you were going to say that. And I said, if you weren't, I would have said it because there's been many, many occasions where I've had taught children and the parents have said to me, listen, it's made such a difference right across the board. It's lifted up their confidence in every aspect of their life, which is brilliant, you see.
0: Yeah, it is great. And I find that here in Australia because we're such a water-based society that, I mean, there's so many different aquatic sports and even, you know, people go on holidays to the beach, people go on holidays to the rivers and they water ski and they jet boat and they do all sorts of things like that. And I think having that uh, skill and that confidence in the water, they can then do so many other other activities, whether they be water-based or whether they're not, they can feel confident and know that they're going to be safe while they're participating in them.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly.
0: So was there anyone that played a big role in your swimming journey, like
1: a, a mentor or a family member? Yeah, well, when I looked at that question, I thought there were two people that influenced me and they were both when I was in primary school. One was one of my peers called Tony Nash. He was an English fella. And, you know, when we come from the Caribbean, we obviously none of us could swim very well. But he was like the original little English fish. He was a proper little fish. He could swim good. He'd swam good. he dived well. Plus, he looked quite all right in his trunks. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. But the other person that really was a massive influence was a teacher called Mr. Limerick. And you know, he was from Australia. Oh, cool. And in, in our primary school, elementary, every Friday he used to show us real to real, like, you know, cine, cine films of Australian divers, swimmers, Mexican cliff divers and that's where I got my love for diving and swimming because I loved, I loved diving and anything to do with the water by that time. Wow. Yeah, it was funny because it was the first time I'd met an Australian. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) This was in like, this was like 60, 65, 66. So
0: he made a good impression for all of Australia then.
1: Absolutely, most definitely.
0: A oh, few that's good. <laughs> Some of us good ones. <laughs> <laughs> so you overcame your fear of swimming quite early then. I sort of gathered that it was, you know, later in life, teenager sort of going into your 20s, but it sounds like you overcame that fear so quite
1: early. I was nine. Oh, wow. I was nine years old. And the thing is, I was just persevering because, I mean, I loved it. I, by that time, I started loving a lot of television programs that, that were sea based, scuba diving programs. I was fascinated. And even another person was Esther uh, Williams. You know, the American Hollywood act. I liked her uh, uh, swimming films.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I loved things. that. It was just such a, a fantasy. And the thing is about swimming and the water, it's so magical. And I say, Is the closest on earth we're going to get to flying, really, or the sensation of feeling like you're flying.
0: Good point. I like that. And that is true. It is. It just feels like you're flying. And when you're in the water, the whole freedom of movement and the fact that, you know, if you do have difficulty on land, it just dissipates in the water.
1: Most definitely. And, And the best example I can give you of that was I had to teach a young girl once she was she was autistic, so she wouldn't really look at you at all. never mind talk so the first lesson I followed her all around the pool she kept walking <laughs> I followed her so all around the pool right yes. and the last five minutes, I managed to engage with her and got her under the water, yes. so the next lesson instinctively, I don't know why. It was only her second lesson. I took her to the deep end, right? Yep. We went to the deep end. I went in the water. She came next to me, held on to the side, and then she let go. She submerged herself, and was just looking up to the surface in a total, total dream state. Wow. And from that moment on, she could swim in the deep end. Wow. She learned very, very quickly within, like, three weeks you could see she was in a a real peaceful place because it's so quiet under there and with an autistic condition it's the noise and all that that they find sometimes very difficult to, to deal with
0: and that's it I mean that's something I say when I teach new swim teachers coming through that especially with autism they are attracted to the water it is calming and peaceful for them And it is somewhere, if you do have an autistic child who wanders, they will look for water because that is that calming and peaceful atmosphere for them. And it becomes more of a concern that we have to teach them to swim so that they're safe around the water. But that's something to be able to see that in her eyes and see that in her face that it becomes such a dream for her and relaxed.
1: Yes, it was a very moving experience for me is very moving because I thought, wow, well, we look at that. Sometimes we take life for granted and the simplest things you take for granted, for instance, is like even a little moment of peace, and a real tranquility. We don't often get that.
0: That's right. So right. Very, very true. And something like now when we're in lockdown over in Australia, we're just coming out of it. But yeah, that peacefulness and that calm, it's, it's something we've all been craving for. So
1: yes. Yeah.
0: Great that we can bring that through the aquatics. Yes. So with all your training and all the wisdom that you've had and all the experience you've, you've had in your time as a swim teacher, what advice would you give to a new swim teacher coming out now?
1: Well, I would say the first thing is make sure that you love your subject and you have the, the attitude that you want to pass on the love of the subject, not teach anyone, just pass on the love of it. And also remember the most important thing initially is to develop a relationship with the child very quickly. Make them feel at ease, make them feel that you're going to be a friend of theirs and you're not trying to, they're not, you know, there to perform or be put under any sort of pressure. You're there to have them have a, a very, loving fun experience
0: good point I really like that and I think that's the thing I know for me you do get that relationship with kids that you do become like a friend to them and if you can put them at ease the whole process of swimming and learning to swim becomes a lot easier for them
1: absolutely and I'll tell you one thing as well I think that I've found has been lacking in a lot of teachers over the years that I've observed right they seem to be a bit worried about making themselves look ridiculous in front of a child. Yeah. You know, like one of the things I'll say to children, you know, I don't, I don't want you to splash me. Well, you know what's coming next, don't you? <laughs> you know, you know, especially if it's a little child that's nervous because children want the little power. They want the power over adults to do something that an adult will say. Well, oh, you know, make you sit up and listen. So. To me, the first thing is, be prepared to make yourself look ridiculous.
0: I like that. It it is so true. And I find that all the time. It's just, it makes them relaxed. It's a lot of fun. And who doesn't want to giggle while you're working?
1: Exactly. Because, look, I'll tell you the driving force for me, Katrina, with with swimming, right? I'd said, I'd watched swimming teachers previously, right? And I said, you know what? Children play all the time and every opportunity to play, they'll take it, yeah? Yeah. But yet there were so many come to the swimming lessons. They were stiff, they were rigid, they weren't laughing, they weren't joking in any form, yeah? And you said, no, I want a child to be able to play in the environment, but obviously to be competent, be safe and be confident. Yeah, so don't do stupid things just just for the sake of playing, but play safely, be aware. So that's why I wanted to make them be able to play in any environment, wet or dry.
0: Yeah, and that's right. And I mean, I'm going back, my mentor Joanne Love, she's been working with children and she's done the psychology side. And it's been interesting. She just put an article out today on her LinkedIn about the fact that kids are looking for that play. They're not looking for the competition or, you know, having to be the best, they actually want to enjoy their swimming, whether it be competitive kids or whether it be learn to swim. The whole point of getting in that water is to be free and to be able to
1: enjoy it. Exactly, exactly. And to me, you know, when I, when I became a teacher, a swimming teacher, I just thought, I'm really, truly blessed because I've got this opportunity now to present as much fun as possible from a totally, totally different perspective. You know, just take the children off guard totally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that. That's right. They don't know what's coming then.
1: <laughs> no, that's right. They don't.
0: And you're building resilience in them because, yeah, they have to do, be able to deal with every
1: situation. Exactly. You know, I, I always like to test them and mess about with them, right, sometimes. If I meet a child that they might be just all right at swimming or, or Just a little bit. They might need a lot of technique or they need a bit more training than they think, right? So I normally (laughs) test them and say, listen, do you know a lot about swimming? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're going to do that five. Yeah, all right. I said, I'll tell you what. Could you tell me how to do the crazy crocodile? (laughs) (laughs) They don't know what the crazy crocodile is, Katrina. Do you know what it is? No. It's a Professor splash swimming stroke. I shall describe it to you and see if you recognise it, okay?
0: Yes, please.
1: <laughs> right. You bend your arm like a boomerang. You stretch it like an orangutan. Kick a while. Yeah. Turn and smile. That's the crazy crocodile.
0: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah. The cra- yeah, those that, are the works of Professor Splash. <laughs>
0: The kids would love that. They would be so entertained by it. Well, they
1: enjoy it and they do it. That's why I say my success rate is very, very high. And children learn very quickly. Because my aim, when anyone comes to me to swim, is teach them to swim in the first five minutes. Wow. That's it. That's my, it's always been my target. Five minutes we learn to swim, get rid of the fear, then let's get cracking and do some stuff.
0: Five minutes. And you've had great success rate
1: with that. Put it this way. Most children I've taught, they've learned to swim within the first half hour. Yep. Because it doesn't take long. Because the fear, I know the fear between the nose and the mouth. Well, how long does it take to sort that out?
0: <laughs> Not long. No. Oh, wow. I've never, yeah, that's great. And that's it. It is just sorting out that fear and making them comfortable and then it all falls into place
1: from there. Yeah, because then they'll do anything, you see. They'll do anything. That's why I say, so for instance, this is a point where the teacher can be ridiculous, for instance, right? You say, all right, then if they reach a certain level, like they can maybe do a handstand, right, in the water. You do one as a teacher, but you know you make sure it looks ridiculous. You lose your balance and all this business. <laughs> you know, so then you get them to show you theirs and, and, and you applaud it.
0: Yeah. I was reading something the other day and it was um about, oh, it was Gary Vanderchuk, He's a personal development speaker from America. And he was saying things like that, like in his upbringing, his mother overpraised him for things like opening the door for, for someone else and things like that. And, Yeah, that's it. It's about giving them confidence in praising them when they do something really well. And like you said, if you put yourself out there and look like a bit of enough, you can then praise them and they think they're really special because they've bet the teacher in some way.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, because one of the things I tried to do as well, right, I make a lot of things up, as you can see, the crazy crocodile and all this bit, right? But then equally now, I say to the children when we go in there, you show me a stroke, you show me a swim, and you tell me what it's called. So sometimes I do something right. I look at it and say, what's this called? It's called, cool. and they said, oh, it's called twisting and turning and then stopping and jumping. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, and while they're making it up, they're still learning something.
1: Well, that's the point, you see. And, and the thing is, you're gaining their confidence even more because they feel now that they could show you something. Yep. So you've, got to, you've added an extra string to their bow.
0: Yep, that's true. I really like that.
1: They think they've taught, taught the teacher. Exactly. And that's lovely, you see, because children love to teach adults, don't they?
0: Yeah. And there's so much we can learn. I mean, as you said, you learn that kids like to play. There's just so much we can learn from them and their innocence as well.
1: But this is it. You know, I've always put myself as like, more or less a children's advocate, because in most cases, they don't always get a good hearing. You know, especially in schools, you don't get a chance to say much. So when you're amongst them, then you give them the opportunity to express themselves.
0: Yep, that's right. And how much of a better society we're going to have if kids can express themselves in a sport and in things like swimming?
1: You know, there's so many angles on the compass and there's so many different viewpoints that you can hit things from. So when you let a child Out in a situation where they can express themselves. I think you make some fantastic discoveries, really, you know, the way they've expressed themselves.
0: That's right. Very, very true. I like that. I love the way you think with swimming.
1: I just love it. As I tell you, I really do. I mean, look, the the, the Professor Splash philosophy is this. I'll drop your tears, take away all your fears, and you'll be swimming for years.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, you must come up with the best one-liners, the best rhymes.
1: You know, as I said, I do love it. There was another one which called this joke is called Back to the Future. Yep. And it's it goes back to the future, back to the past, move your arms slowly, move your feet fast. Oh, that's so cool. And you know, because you get, you get a feeling of giving the children something that belongs to them, you know, so when they go home, they tell their parents, "Oh, we've learned this and and in most cases the, the parents wouldn't know what they're talking about yeah,
0: if that's they it. saw
1: it, then they'd know exactly what's going on,
0: yeah, yeah, and that's it. I mean, kids using the words of freestyle and backstroke and all those they're something that's been developed over the years, and it you know kids are new, they're different. Allowing them to name it as they want just gives them that ownership to it. I like
1: that. Yes. Exactly. Because at the moment, I'm working on a um, a book called The Swimming Lesson, a children's book, yeah?
0: Yeah. Which I,
1: I started writing before Rustamouse. Oh, wow. It's, it's about two teachers that teach in this tropical land, and one of them shouts and screams and believes that, you know, to get the children a bit nervous, that'll help her. But Professor Splash sings and dances and relaxes the children. So it's a story about one particular little boy. So I'm I'm still working on it at the moment.
0: Yeah, Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, well, we'd love to hear when it's all done and we can promote it for you, because that sounds like a great story for a lot of
1: kids. Because there's no swimming story, you think. But what I intend to do with this story, obviously, is put in some technical stuff but not in a technical way. So, so that it's each story would teach a different stroke, but in a technical, technical way. You know, it's like the first yeah. one is about the front crawlers.
0: That's really good. And it'll be great to use for yeah, swim skills and things like that. For kids to be able to learn outside the water as well. They can learn some yes. from such a story like that. Yeah. What a good work I can't wait to hear those stories and read them. I'm sure my kids will love them.
1: I'm trying to make them, you know, funny, enjoyable and, and informative as well, you know, because it's, it's different. You don't, you've, I've never seen a swimming story really like as such that, that will concentrate on the stroke, but be a story as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I know there's ones that Laurie Lawrence does here in in Australia and they're very much water safety. So they bring the rhyming in and, it, and it's great for water safety. But as you said, I haven't heard of anything that brings in technique and then also the story on top.
1: Yeah. So I'm working on that one most definitely.
0: So for you, what does swimming look like in the future?
1: I think sadly in England, it's, it's sort of in decline really because they're cutting back in schools there's only one year group goes for one term. Oh, they don't swim throughout the year and they don't swim through the whole school. When you reach a certain year, then you go have one semester of swimming. So to me, it looks quite grim for children. I think more people are getting into open water swimming, but I think less children are encouraged in swimming at the moment. So I feel quite mm-hmm. sad about that.
0: Yeah, have you had an increase or do you think there is an increase in private swim school or is it just at that age they're just not getting
1: involved? Yeah, it's the age really, it's not so much. Most of the leisure centres offer swimming lessons, most Mm -hmm. leisure centres, but as I said, they seem to be in a bit of decline because the amount of children that go to school doesn't reflect amount of children that get the opportunity to swim
0: oh that's sad I mean that's something Australia is finding quite difficult as well and we've luckily in a couple of states have brought in well they hope to be mandatory swimming lessons but highly recommended for schools to do swimming lessons right but again that's a lot of them are only over a certain period of time yes all primary school levels participate so at least for a certain amount of time, these kids are getting yearly swimming lessons.
1: And it's unlike that here, you see, unfortunately. So it's only one year group, I think it's year three or year four, and that's it. And when you swim there, that's the only time. Which, it can be such a wonderful activity. But one of the things I've noticed, the leisure centres charge the schools a lot of money. Ah,
0: uh, yeah.
1: They charge them a lot of money, which is really ridiculous, you know. Yeah. They can just say, "Listen, if you do it at a really reasonable rate, then you'll be fully booked." Mm. So if you, if the school's paying a lot, a lot of money for yeah. a little short session, they can't afford to send everybody.
0: No, that's it. Yeah, a lot of schools around here as well find it difficult because of well, travel and the costs and it adds up for schools so yeah it
1: does because they've got to spend money on other things
0: Mm. so it'd be better to offer sort of more quantity of lessons i would have thought at a cheaper rate
1: i would say so yeah definitely
0: yeah so looking to the future how do you think as an individual or an industry can we promote and develop learn to swim and encourage more participants, but with less funding.
1: Maybe, maybe it could organise, like, encourage family swimming. Yeah, I
0: like
1: that. And you're dealing with families, and so their confidence is built up through familiarity. They know the members of the family, and, you know, just basic, simple things. They so can have little bits of information for families and little groups, you know. And you can afford, you know, you don't have to charge the earth or something like that. And then you find that less children will necessarily go to swimming lessons or pay if people who can't afford them. More children will be taking part in the swimming. Mm. So I said from that point, it'd be, it'd be, it's a bond for the family anyway, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And what a perfect learning space when you've got the parents and other siblings involved. And it doesn't take much to adapt an activity for different levels.
1: No, it doesn't. It does I've always said, right, look, with swimming, people have asked me what is it more difficult to teach an adult or a child? And the way I look at it is this in swimming. An adult that can't swim is usually like a child anyway.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you adopt very similar practices. And you still have that playful element because we've still got it in us, you know. So to me, yeah, I just think that there's not much difference when you're teaching people really. You have to have very similar practices for old or young children or adults, really.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think also, like you said, with the family swimming, that's something that I know in Australia they've been pushing. As we come out of COVID, it's a lot easier to be able to bring families together And coming out of lockdown, families are looking for that connection that they've built during lockdown to be able to continue it. You don't you don't have the COVID in cross-infection if they're all in together. And it's a happier and easier place. Yes. Well, that's pretty much all my questions. Did you have anything else that you wanted to share?
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask you. Are there many black swimming teachers in Australia?
0: No, not what well not that I've seen, really. In all the conferences and things that I've been involved in, in Melbourne, it may be different.
1: Okay, yeah, because this is another thing in England, I think as well, because there's such a stigma with black people and swimming. I think if you had more teachers that people could look and say, well, look, it's encouraging to uh, because I'd like really to um, teach a group of black, Indian, this group of mixed children from scratch to competitive swimming. I'd like that. Because I don't think any group should be excluded because it's just human beings, isn't it? You know, all is human beings no matter where you're from.
0: That's right. Yep. And, I mean, it's going to benefit everyone. And if you can put those role models out in the system, the other people are going to see them, those kids are going to see people experiencing life and experiencing swimming and they're going to be more inclined to do it if they have the role models out
1: there most definitely because if you look at any country around the world certain people are around by the, the by the sea no matter where they are some people are very comfortable in the water in a lot of countries they are comfortable it might not be a, a, a sort of national activity but you like as a seller for instance in Sri Lanka the people are very Some of those people are very comfortable around the water. Some of them were very, very comfortable, the fishermen. But Mm -hmm. equally, I did hear that a few of them can't swim as well, the fishermen. I was a bit concerned.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can just imagine. I mean, a prime example of that is where I am here in country, Victoria in Australia, we have a lot of Filipino immigrants coming to work in, uh, we have a lot of piggeries here. So the Filipino immigrants are coming over. They're working in the piggeries, And one of the girls, her family went to Bondi Beach and she got caught up in a rip and she had a bad experience and she wanted to right. do swimming lessons with me. And I said, come on, let's go. And she's a beautiful, absolute beautiful technique. But she said, I can't swim because she'd had a, a drowning experience got her in and she was very quite scared but she did really really well and she came to me a few years later and said I want to become a swim teacher while I'm at university and I said well you have to understand that you can swim but you have your limitations and she said well the facility that she wants to work at in Melbourne is sort of waist deep for her like the pool doesn't get much deeper. Right and I said, well, if you're comfortable in that water and you take the time to learn and develop your skills, then you're great with kids. It'll be absolutely a fantastic career for her. And she did. And she's gone through. And now she has a waiting list of Filipino families that want to put their kids in with her to learn to swim.
1: Wow. That's fantastic.
0: I just think that whole circle, if i turned around and said to her, no, you haven't got the confidence for it. All yes. these wouldn't have had anyone that they could relate to, but now she can go in and she can teach those kids, and it's making that
1: difference. It's fantastic, you know, because it, it it just branches out and it just goes more of a web and a bigger web, and it's fantastic.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's you it.
1: know, and just you you encouraging one person can influence so many others.
0: Yep. Yeah. And you don't know. Those kids can then take it up. And it's a simple thing of, yes, yeah, she's teaching while she's at uni, but she may continue in it. And I'm keen to get her back here to the country over the uni holidays to be able to teach some of the other yeah.
1: Filip-
0: Filipino families here.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, those are the sort of groups and things that I'd like to work with where a group of people, you're ready to teach them something new. And it's exciting, fun. And and it's going to really add something to their lives. I think projects like that are very, very exciting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think it's just doing it. It's about getting involved and, you know, finding those people and putting the word out there. Because, yeah, if it's not offered, they're not going to do it.
1: No, no. you just got to put the flag up there and just advertise yourself.
0: And I think it's the perfect time, I think, People are looking for that sort of diversity now and uh, the sport's going to need it. Whether you look at the competitive side or not, we need all the involvement we can get and minority groups are the ones that are going to be more comfortable.
1: Yeah. And, And the thing is, it's quite, you know, when you think of like the human resolve, right, you don't know what quarter you might get a champion from because you've got someone with a determination and they say, right, I'll, I want to be the first one or whatever to do that from my community. And just that you don't know what's going to come from it.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yep, you don't, not unless you try, you don't know what's going to come. And they're going to then be a role model for so many other people that come through.
1: Absolutely.
0: You're inspiring me to get in and do more of that.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow, wow. My aim, right, is to really eventually get our swimming school going again. I had a swimming school once. It was really, really good. Very, very successful. It was basically, I invited children from the schools that I taught to come to my school and we teach them all the technique, how to stretch, how to do all these sort of things, but to make sure that they really do love swimming. You don't give them a regime that's going to put them off swimming you know, so that's my aim going forward to get that swimming school running again because after speaking to Julianne, mm-hmm. I realised I really, really do love, I mean really love swimming and want to just make sure that there's a there is a legacy because I do love, I mean I love writing, I do love Rust the Mouse, I love all that but swimming is my is my passion Yeah
0: and It'll be amazing to have, you know, we don't want your wisdom and your passion to go to waste because how many people can you influence with that? And your writing, as you've told us, your writing and your swimming passion have come together, which is great. And to be able to build on that again and have that swim skill would be amazing and benefit so many people
1: be able to learn yes. your skills. Yeah, exactly. Oh, let me just, Katrina, let me just tell you one more thing. Yeah, yeah. One more one little, um, it's a little swimming exercise, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's about, you know, when children want to go underwater or people want to go underwater and yeah. they're a bit worried about it? Yeah. I've got this little the poem, it's called Bubbles. Bubbles. And it goes like this. When you go underwater, you must always think, is this something that I should drink? If you don't want to cough and get into trouble, puff out your cheeks and blow some nice bubbles.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, so, you know, you get those things in your mind, then you know what's going on. It's simple stuff, simple stuff.
0: And so relatable. Kids are going to understand that really well. And it's not telling them, it's not directing them, it's just making them think.
1: Exactly. Because you don't want to keep giving instructions, instructions, instructions. It's about anything on this earth, right? When you start to think about it, then you start to feel it. It's the thought that ignites the feeling. So if you say, you know what? I'm really looking forward to this. Then you're going to enjoy it. You're not going to approach it with any sort of fear or any sort of trepidation. Your mind is alert.
0: Yeah. That's great. I love it. You need to write a book about these, all these little poems and stories.
1: you got these tidbits. That's going in the swimming lesson. It's going oh, in the book. Beautiful. So it's so, so all these different things, yeah. yeah. All the different elements of learning to swim, The you know, the floating, the treading water, The you know, all different elements are going to be there. Oh, but in a story form. Yeah.
0: And, I mean, that's it. There's so much research out there that we learn through stories, through our ancestors yeah. telling us stories. So that sort of thing is going to be relatable to kids because they learn from stories. I know my daughter loves to learn stuff from reading books and she comes out with so much information when she's finished reading a novel. To be able to give that to
1: yeah,
0: you know, topic related, it would be great.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I'm working on that. And you've encouraged me and Julianne is encouraging me. So that's my next, m- well, I'm working on one other book. So I'm going to be yeah. working on two books in tandem, a little a little rhyming book yeah. and and a little swimming book because I've got a little character called Little Bruv.
0: <laughs> ah. Oh, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, wow. so because you want to deal with the children from all points of view, don't you? You know, you want to have a little fun and, because I like, the book is about rhyming them. Because basically, it's designed, the rhymes are put out there. They're meant to be recited aloud. So even though you've got them in the book, you've more got them in your head. You know, like all the little nursery rhymes that we have over the years and years and years. Yep. Just trying to write some new, some new fresh ones for the modern day children, you know?
0: Good idea. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, something a bit more relatable.
1: Exactly. You know, because all this, what do you call it, little Miss Muffet and Mary had a little lamb and all that business. It doesn't make sense.
0: No, And I don't think parents like it either. I mean, they don't engage to it as much as something that's more relatable to this day and age.
1: Well, that's right. I'm going to leave you with one because I know we've got to go soon. I'm going to leave you this one. <laughs> Given that we're going through this crisis, this is called health and safety. Yeah. Right, and it goes like this. Whatever you pick from your nose, please don't wipe it on your clothes. Please don't flick it on the floor or try to kick it out the door. Please don't roll it in a ball and try to stick it on a wall. Please don't wipe it on your sleeve. Try to find a tissue, please. <laughs>
0: Oh. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic!
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's, I love it. It's a whole book of those. It's a whole book of rhymes like that, you know. So this is it. Let's Just how we got a new generation that to inspire them to do stuff themselves as well. Keep things simple, and they can do it themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, how old are your children? How old are your children?
0: Um, I have one who's nearly four and a five and a seven-year-old.
1: All right. Listen, this is one specially for them. See All if right. they can learn it.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Because you will record it. So it's called message from an ex-baby. All <laughs> Oh, Yep. Right. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I will tell you why I'm happy. I no longer wear a nappy. <laughs> I no longer use a dummy. Ask my daddy or my mummy.
0: Oh,
1: Yeah, you can see if they can remember that. All right. And I'll then record it and send it to you. Indeed. Now that'd be fabulous.
0: (laughs) Oh, they're going to love that. They're going to think it's great. (laughs) Inspire so many children out
1: there. Oh, fantastic.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for that. You've been absolutely amazing and I have learned so much. And I can't wait to see where you go from here. I think you've got so much potential and so much joy to bring to swimming. I really can't wait to see what happens and I hope you get to fulfill all your dreams and we'll be watching.
1: Thank you very, very much. And I really appreciate you offering me this opportunity action to talk about swimming, as I said, which is something I really, really love. of so my, so my views reached Australia before me.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're coming. You're going to have to come over to follow them up.
1: Most definitely. Well, you know I'm not going to refuse that. <laughs>
0: no, <laughs> that's right. We need to get you as a guest speaker at our conferences to get us all hyped up with the rhymes.
1: Well, I've usually got some free time.
0: <laughs> yeah that's it. <laughs> oh it's frip-
1: uh, listen, Katrina, thank you very, very much.
0: Thank you. It's been amazing. And if it can do something to inspire kids and spice sw- swim teachers to have more fun and relax, it's just great.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Ironman Ironman <laughs> Exactly. Now you say wagwan.
0: Wagwan.
1: Wagwan. It's like, what's going on? (laughs) Say wagwan.
0: Wagwan. I remember that from your cartoon.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wagwan.